We're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 to uh, chapter 2, verse 2. And the thing I like about 1 John is there's no gray area. It's not a place where you can sit on the fence. You're either in or you're out. And it's all in or all out. And so John, what he'll do is have seven contrasts throughout this book. And the first contrast we'll see today is contrasting light and darkness. Light and darkness. We'll also walk through three tests. So 1 John 5.13 gives us the message of the book, the point why John wrote this. 1 John 5.13 says, I write these things to you. We talked about last week how he's writing it to the church. Right? It's to those who believe in the name of the Son of God. Why? Why did he write these things? So that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know that you have eternal life. So if someone asks you, are you a believer? Are you saved? It shouldn't be, I don't know. That's why John's writing this. And so today we're going to walk through three tests that will help you know if you belong to Christ. So I also want you to know that if you fail the test, it's not the end of the line. I remember taking several tests between the ACT and the Praxis, and I get nervous when I take these tests because there's so much on the line. Right? A higher score on the ACT means more money to go to college. also opens up doors to what college you can attend, which college you can go to. And then with the Praxis, if I don't pass, I can't graduate, which means I can't teach. And it's all dependent on what I know and how I answer these questions. And if I fail, the encouragement I got from other teachers with the Praxis, well, don't worry about it, you can take it again. The problem is, I would be the one taking it again. That may or may not be helpful. And at $150 per test, it was an expensive test. A lot of stress in that. But the stakes are much higher today. But the good news is, if you fail the test, you have another who aced it. And it's in knowing Him that you have eternal life. So I want us to be focused today. We're going to talk about light and darkness. We're going to talk about how we deal with our sin as a church, as a believer. How we should walk in the light. Let's pray and then we'll get to work. Father, thank You for Your Word. Lord, I pray that You open up our minds and open up our hearts. Help us see You as the glorious light and in whom is no darkness at all. So, Father, I pray that we walk in the light as you are in the light. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, I, I want to give you a, a brief illustration. It's something simple um, that my dad, I don't know how he found it. He found it at Tractor Supply. And basically, it's a solar light. Many of you guys have seen these. You might have them in your front yard, backyard, in the mulch. And, and what happens is this is a solar panel, and as it sits in the sunlight, it gathers energy, and then at night, this thing lights up. And so uh, if you can't see in the back, all this is is a tractor, right? Now, mom wants me to lose this before she takes it back home to dad, but this is, dad loves this thing, thinks it's the coolest thing. And what will happen is you'll turn the corner 
at night coming around to their house and the first thing you see isn't the front porch light, it's this thing sitting out in the yard, bright red. And he's so proud of his red tractor. You want to know why this lights up? Because it hangs out in the sun. If it doesn't, it doesn't light up. So right now, you can tell it doesn't have much energy. I guess if we turn off the lights, we can see if it glows. But it's a simple way to know if this thing has been in the light. It'll light up. Interesting thing with the test that we're looking at today. You want to know if you know Jesus? You want to know if you have fellowship with God? You'll walk in the light. You don't walk in darkness. Pretty easy test, right? So I want us to be clear on what we're going through today. I want us to leave as a people who will fight sin together, have hope in a Savior, and let's see what it means to walk in light. First off, verse 5, God is light. Verse 5 says, this is the message that we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you. You see how easy it is to share the gospel? Hey, this is what Jesus told me, and now I'm going to tell you. Not much has changed. If we want to spread the word, what we hear and what we read in the Bible, we share it with others. You don't have to be creative. You don't have to be charismatic. You just have to know the light. And then share the light. And so we see hey, it's, it's a message that is not original with John. It's something that Jesus told him. And this is it, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. So that's a truth that we need to know about Jesus. Last week, we saw that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And this week, we see that is he, he is without sin. He is light and there is no darkness at all in Jesus. So, if someone asks you, do you know any perfect people? I know one. His name is Jesus. He wasn't disrespectful to his parents. He didn't roll his eyes at his father. He lived a perfect life. That's why you hear that he's the sinless, the spotless lamb of God. That's why he can pay for our sin. He had no sin to pay for. He is light, and in him is no darkness at all. That's a truth that we have to know about Jesus. He is perfect. He is holy. He is God who is light and has no darkness. Now, what does that mean? If he is light, what does that mean? It, it deals with two things. One, because God is light, he shows us what we should know and what we should believe. It has to deal with knowledge, lighting up our path. You hear it in Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. I know how to walk because I know and see the light. But it also has a second aspect and it deals with behavior. It deals with behavior. Jesus is the light and he has called us out of darkness and into that light. And so when you hear God is light, it means two things. What we should know, what we should believe, and how we should behave. All right, so John Stott put it this way, and I think this is a pretty good Summary, the effect of the light is not just to make people see, right? We don't turn the lights on because we have beautiful lights. 
That's one purpose, so you can see in here. But the second part is that we are now enabled to walk. That's what it means when you see God is light. We did a little bonfire, I guess it's been a couple months now, over at Officer Petrie's house. We go over and he has a zip line. And this zip line was awesome when it was the light. And so our girls would go down and fly down. But he had these little solar lights along this path back to his woods. And what would happen is some of the girls would jump off early and they would knock off a light. Right? And then it came time where it got dark enough and cool enough. We had this huge bonfire down there and we were going to do s'mores. If you've ever walked down a rocky path with no light, it's dangerous. Where the solar panels were, you could see the path. They would light it up so I know where to step. And then, because it's lit up, I can make it there safely. So the light showed the way and enabled me to walk it. That's the same thing that you see with God. You want to know how to live your life? You want to know what is true? You go to God. But it's not just good enough to know it. The light's there so that we do it. And so light, God is light, has to do with what we believe and then how we behave. And then John fleshes this out for the rest of the text that we're going to look at today. All right, so when you hear God is light, two things. What you know for certain, truth. And I think it's a time right now where we don't know what's true. Right? We don't know what are facts and what aren't. We don't know who to believe and who not to believe. There's one, and in whom is no darkness, nothing but the truth. His name's Jesus. So I want to know him, and then I want to walk with him. All right, so we got to get that right. God is light. Now it's time for the tests. Test number one. Are you walking in darkness or are you walking in light? Are you walking in darkness or are you walking in light? So you want to know if you have eternal life. How do you answer this question? Are you walking in darkness or are you walking in light? The, the first part, and with each test, we'll go negative and then the positive. The negative is a guy that would say, I have a relationship with Jesus, but I walk in darkness. Right? And I've heard this a lot. Yeah, I've, I've prayed, I asked Jesus into my heart, but I'm going to live however I want to. I'm going to do whatever I want to. Right there, John's saying, no, that person is a lying. And so when you read verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You can't walk in darkness and say you have fellowship with the light. See how there's no gray areas here? All in or all out? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? I want you to think, examine your own heart. If you want to know, examine your life. Is it one that is characterized by darkness or characterized by light? Now, I'm not saying you're perfect, and we'll see that in just a little bit. What I am saying is you're not hiding out in the darkness saying you love God. I think Jesus helps us with this in the book of John, the gospel, and chapter 3, check out what John writes there about Jesus. And this is judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to light, 
so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. If you want to know how you, if you have eternal life or not, look at your walk. Are you walking in darkness or are you walking in the light? So let's get to the positive aspect of this. This is the person who says, I have a relationship with Christ because of the sacrifice of Jesus. That's what it means to walk in the light. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So after hearing that first verse, you might be saying, well, man, I've, I've messed up. I've sinned. So does that mean I'm in darkness? It could if you haven't been cleansed from your sin. And this is the, the great news of the gospel with verse 7. How are we cleansed from that sin? Because of the blood of Christ. And so as a people, we don't take sin lightly. Some people will look at this, well, if Jesus paid for my sin, I'll live however I want to. We don't do that. We see how steep a price our sin is. How costly it was to Jesus. And we accept His work on the cross to clean us from our sin. So, if you're going to walk in the light, you're going to depend on the sacrifice of Christ. And then you, you see two things, two realities of that. Because of the blood of Jesus cleanses me from sin, I can walk in the light. This is grace-empowered living. This is grace-empowered living. And, and I want us to be careful because there's a lot of people that we would deem as good people that have no idea what we're talking about when we talk about grace-empowered living. When you turn to Jesus and you look at the cross and you trust Him for salvation, there's some things that happen that only Jesus can do. He takes out a heart that is dead towards God and gives you a new heart that is alive to God. He puts His Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit is giving you new affection so that you can walk with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit fills us with joy and peace and patience and self-control and power and love and self-discipline. And so when we walk, we're not, saying, we're not having people say how good we are. We know that it's by grace that God helps us walk in the light. And we are enabled to do that because of the work of Christ on the cross. The blood of Christ changes everything. Isn't that a humbling reminder? There's no egos here. Nobody earns salvation here. The way I'm clean from my sin is the same way you could be clean from your sin. And it's not because I really wiped it out. It's because Jesus nailed it to the cross, erasing my debt. And the same can be true of you. And because I've been changed, I'm going to walk in the light. I don't want to hide out in the darkness anymore. I want to be with Christ. So we can walk in the light. Number two, we can walk with others. I love this. We share a common bond. We share a common bond. At the foot of the cross, it's level ground. So we all deal with sin. And it's all paid by Christ. So we should be a humble people. A humble people as we walk in the light. You see, that's how we have fellowship together. We talked a little bit about fellowship last week. You see how strong a bond that is? You have more in common with a brother or sister in Christ than you do a blood relative. 
Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. If I would say that at Holmes High School, I would get laughed out of the classroom. And yet, you want to know what I know? God is light, and in Him is no darkness. And what He says is true. And that's one of those truths. We have a bond because of Christ that is thicker than blood. It's not our blood, it's the blood of Christ. It brings us together so we can walk in the light. So test number one, are you walking in the light or are you walking in the darkness? Only well, you can answer that. That's a pretty good indicator. I've had many people, many students that say they know Jesus and then live nothing like him. What does the Bible call that person? What does the Bible call that person? Verse 6. A liar. Truth's not in him. Right? This is easy. It's as easy as holding up a tractor. If it's bright red, it's been in the light. If it's not, it hasn't. So if we hold your life up and it's glowing, we know you're in the light. If it's nothing but darkness, we know you have no fellowship with God. Test number one. All right? Test number two. Moving right along. Are you denying sin or confessing your sin? Are you denying your sin or confessing your sin? Negatively, this is a person that says, I have a relationship with Jesus because I'm a good person. I'm basically good. If you get the scales out, I helped a lady cross the road. I didn't cuss somebody out when they cut me off. Basically a good person. Me and God are on even ground. We're okay. I'm doing more good than bad. All right? That person's deceived. That's what the text says. If we walk in the light as He is light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus covers us, cleanses us from all sin. But if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Truth is not in us. I think this is where most people live. I think most people think they're okay. Right? Haven't killed anybody. They're going to be okay before God. They'll pick up trash if they see it at school. They'll help some teachers get to the cars if they're carrying a load of stuff. Basically good people. Basically good people spend an eternity in hell because they're deceived. And we have many people living there. It reminds me of a guy that we had being deceived. We have a, a student. You guys know him. He was talking some trash to, to Coach Nevels on our football team. And we'll, we'll just, we'll give this guy the name of London so you don't know him. London was talking this trash and somehow it got on to basketball. And Coach Nevels, Coach Nevels knows he's not a basketball player, but he has enough confidence to say he would beat. London at one-on-one. And London responded, Coach Nevels, I would dunk on you. The problem is I have seen London play basketball. London can't dunk a basketball. So I go, London, you can't even dunk. And he goes, well, I, I can touch the rim. So he can barely graze the rim with his fingers. That's a long ways away from dunking on somebody. Right? Just lives in denial. Like, I think a lot of people live in delusion. We have a lot of guys that think they're going to make it to the NFL or the NBA. They can't make the high school team. Living in delusion. 
We have a lot of guys that think they'll pass tests, not study, living in delusion. We have a lot of people that think they should be the next leader and next this, next that, living in delusion. When it comes to here, yeah, I'm saved. I know God. I'm good. Living in delusion. If you shrug your shoulders at sin, you're deceiving yourself. And we have many people in our community and across the globe that do just that. So you see, verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, truth's not in us. So that's negatively put. The next verse is a verse you need to write down and hide in your heart. Get it on your mind. 1 John 1, verse 9. 1 John 1, verse 9. We're not a people that deny that we've sinned or that we've messed up or that we've blown it or that our sin's not a big deal. That's not who we are. We're a people that confess sin. So when you read verse 9, this is who we are. This person has a relationship with Jesus because Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. There's a passage in Psalm, and I wonder, I wonder if there's anybody here this morning that's feeling the weight of their sin. You don't know what to do with it. You know it's wrong. You're not deceived by it. You know you've messed up. But you haven't done anything with it. You haven't done anything with it. And I want us to be clear here. Don't hold on to your sin. You don't have to. You can be cleansed from it. And so we go to David. And David, David blew it. Committed adultery. Had a guy murdered. And, and so when we read this, this is some heavy stuff here that David's saying. I want you to hear his words. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. That's where we want to be. Right? Our sin is covered. Verse 2, blessed is the man who, against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Sin will wear you out. If you're holding on to your sin, this could be you today. Eating you up. Guilt's heavy. There's a barrier in your relationship to God. So what do you do with it? Verse 5, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. Right? I'm not hiding it from God. I said I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. It's a beautiful promise. And so when you hear John, years and years after Psalm 32, say he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin, that faithfulness stems back to the promises to forgive his people. Isn't that a beautiful promise? Now, I don't know about you, but usually where I land on this verse is with the first five words, if we confess our sin. Right? If we can, that, that's where, yes, that's what I have to do. Confess my sin to God. But you want to know where we should focus our attention in this passage? The second half. 
to the work of Jesus. So when I confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sin here is a debt that I couldn't pay. Right? It was bigger than what I had in the bank account. And yet what we see is Jesus pays it in full. And then we see sin is a stain that we can't wipe out. And yet Jesus washes it away, removes it. So that before God, he's not bringing up your sin because he doesn't see it. It's been cast away. Depths of the ocean, as far as the east is from the west, paid for, covered by the blood of Christ. So this is, this is what I want to do. I want to stop sinning. And then I want to focus on the faithfulness and grace of God. Because you want to know what happens then? My sorrow is turned to joy. Sin doesn't lead me to depression. Sin leads me to grace. I want to run to Jesus. So I confess whatever sin it is. Jesus forgives me. But not only forgives me, cleanses me from all unrighteousness. So test number two. Are you denying sin or are you confessing it? And listen, as long as you're breathing day in and day out, confess it. Turn from it. I want us to be careful here because some people use this as a license to do whatever they want. Right? I'll just confess it to God. He'll forgive me. It's not a big deal. It's not what the verse is saying. The verse is saying when you mess up and when you blow it, you have Jesus who can forgive you. You're not living in darkness. You're living in the light. And sometimes you trip up and slip into darkness, but you don't stay in darkness. You confess it. You get back walking in the light. Confessing sin. God, forgive me of this. Be specific. Turn from it. So if you have trouble with, we can name any sin. And honestly, with, with our group in here, man, we, have, we would have tons of examples. I'll use some just so we understand what I'm saying. If we have trouble with gossip, if we have trouble with gossip, we, we, we talk about other people behind other people's backs. If we struggle with that, how do you fight that? How do you do that? So we'll say we're working. Tracy, I'll use you. I know it won't hurt your feelings. This is not true. This is just a made-up story. Tracy comes to me. He's like, Brian, you won't believe this. I'm sitting here teaching my gym class, and this teacher walks in and just sits out in the top of the the gym and just lazy, just sat there the whole time, playing period, surfing on the internet, not doing a thing. Can you believe her? Then he goes. Now, Tracy's gossiping, complaining about people. What should he do with that? One, hopefully he's convicted by the Holy Spirit that he messed up, that he sinned, talking about somebody, calling them lazy when they maybe had something going on, didn't go to that person, to encourage them to get back on the right path. So he's convicted of his sin, but he doesn't just say, ah, I'll do better next time. He doesn't brush it under the rug, doesn't deny it's that big a deal. He confesses it to God, asks him to forgive him. And so now he knows that Jesus has forgiven him and that he's cleansed him from that sin, but he doesn't return to it. He'll say, hey, Brown, you know what? I came to you and I complained about so-and-so. Listen, I shouldn't have done that. I was a gossip. Um, I want you to hold me accountable here. If you hear me complaining or talking about somebody, call me out on it, right? Because I want to walk in the light, not the darkness. 
That's what it could look like to confess. I'm confessing, I'm turning from it, I'm not getting back, I'm going to put in some safeguards to keep me walking in the light. If you deal with drinking, probably shouldn't go to bars. Probably shouldn't hang out with people where you know there's going to be a lot of recreational drinking. If you struggle with language, you need to look at where that's getting in at. It's coming from your heart, but where's it getting into your heart from? Are you watching junk? Are you listening to junk? Does it affect how you speak? Is it the people you're hanging with? Do you talk around certain people a certain way? How are you fighting that? How are you confessing it? How are you putting in safeguards? Road rage. Get a bicycle. You can get it in shape at the same time. How about that? Oh, man, I think we've hit a nerve here with a little road rage. I'm a little bit nervous with this group. All right, so, hey, road rage. Probably pray before you start driving. Ask people to hold you accountable. And listen, we don't take things lightly, right? Because sin separates us from God. So whether it's road rage or murder, sin separates us. Now, obviously, there's different consequences to our sin, but all sin is serious, and all sin is a barrier to our relationship with God, so we don't take it lightly. I think in the church, we're really hard on homosexuality, we're really hard on abortion, and we understand that sin should be confessed and should be turned from. But we're not as hard on gluttony, and we're not as hard on gossiping. We're not as hard on being lazy. And yet all of this is sin. So we don't deny sin, we confess it, and we turn from it. And then we know Jesus forgives us and cleanses us. Very, very important. Don't focus on your sin, focus on your Savior. All right, that's test number two. Test number three. Test number three, and this is the last test of this text. I have no need of God or God is my only hope. I have no need of God or God is my only hope. Verse 10 deals with a negative. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So I haven't heard too many people land here. I haven't heard too many people land here. Most people will admit They've messed up. They've blown it. They're not perfect. But John's dealing with some false teachers. Now, I will say this. While people will say they're not perfect, I do think some people will say, me and God are okay. I've gotten this far without them. I probably don't need them. Not a big deal if I sin or not. There's no absolute truth. Don't really believe in that stuff. I'm all right. And it's the same principle as saying, uh, I've never sinned. What you're saying is, I don't need God. Jesus came and died and was nailed to a cross, but it was a waste of time because I didn't need it. Sin's not an issue. doesn't do anything to my life. There are people like that. So, people shrug their shoulders at the cross. There is no salvation. There is no fellowship with God. But, to put positively, those who only hope for salvation is Jesus you have fellowship with God. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, right? John's a little bit older here, writing to churches, younger, believers in the faith. Could be writing to us today. Say, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Why did he just tell us the, the two tests before? about walking in light, about confessing our sin, about hoping in God. Why did he do that? So that we stop sinning. Stop sinning. 
Stop running away from God. Stop living in darkness. But then, look at the next part. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. I love this. Right? You have a group of people, I've not sinned. And they're calling God a liar because God in Romans 3.23 said, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. We've all fallen short. We're all separated from God. So we're not going to call God a liar. We're going to say, yeah, we do sin. But John's writing this so that we stop sinning. So what's the aim? The aim is that we walk in the light. And so how are you doing with this? How are you doing with this? And so I see in the Bible a couple ways to deal with sin when we're trying to stop sinning. First one, you run from it. You run from it. Uh, you remember uh, Joseph? He's stuck in this house and this lady's trying to get him to sleep with her. And he grabs his clothes. He doesn't hang out. Say, ah, no, no. He doesn't do what Samson does. Man, he books it. He runs from it. And there's sin that if you're going to win, if you're not going to sin, you've got to run from you got to get away from it. So ask God for wisdom. Is there sin in your life that you just need to take off from get out of there? It might be turning off the TV. You're wasting too much time there. Get rid of it. Turn it off. It might be food. You're making the wrong choices and it's starting to affect your energy levels or whatever. Decide you're going to throw it away. You're not going to fight that battle. you got to run from it. Another way, you fight it. You fight it, and you get some people to help you fight sin. You throw it off. I think it's in Romans where it says sin so easily entangles people. You're trying to run a race. So throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. Get some people that can speak truth into your life, that can be honest with you. And then be honest with them, and let's grow together. Let's walk together. Let's fight to stop sinning. So we don't want to walk in the darkness. We want to walk in the light. And we all should be fighting. And we all should be running from sin. Nobody's exempt from the battle. We're all in this. And we all deal with sin. Now it looks radically different for all of us in the room, but we all better be fighting. So the aim is that we stop sinning, but we got to hold this in balance with this second part. The, the holding in balance of stop sinning, but if anyone does sin. Don't you love how John does that? John knows who he's writing to. He's not expecting this group of people to be perfect. He's expecting them to stop sinning, and when they slip, to rely on Jesus to save them, which is exactly what we do. We hold this in balance. Jesus is our advocate. Um, this reminds me of, this is, this is why it was pretty cool to go through the Minor Prophets. This reminds me of Zechariah 3. You guys remember what happened in Zechariah 3? Please tell me, at least you remember that there was a book, a Minor Prophet called Zechariah. In Zechariah 3, you have Joshua the high priest standing before God and standing before Satan. And Satan accuses him. saying, look, he's filthy. He's talking about a sin. And God doesn't say, no, he's not. He says, this is the stick that was plucked from the fire. I've taken away his sin. That's our advocate. Jesus is right now advocating for us. He's not saying, you know what, Ben's not that bad of a guy. 
He's saying, no, he is messed up, but I paid for it. Nope, he's, he's righteous. I paid for his sin. I've cleansed that. That stain's gone. Nope, that stain's gone. Nope, that stain's gone. So when I stand before God, he sees the righteousness of his son because his son paid for my sin. And that's exactly what you see in this passage. He is the propitiation for our sins, meaning he went forward to pay for my sin and your sin. And he was able to do that because he is described as the righteous one. Because he's light and in him is no darkness. So he could pay for my darkness so that I could have his light. Guys, that's a gospel message. That's what I'm going to rest in. I'm going to stop sinning. And when I slide in and mess up, I'm going to confess it. I'm going to trust that my advocate has paid for it. So, How'd you do on the three tests? How'd you do on the three tests? I want you to examine your own life. Don't think about somebody else right now. Think about your own life. Three tests. Whether you know that you have eternal life. Test number one. Would you say I'm walking in the light? Or are you walking in wickedness? Are you walking, running from God? Are you walking in darkness? If you know the light of the world, your life's going to reflect it. Number two, are you denying sin? Sin's not a big deal. I don't have to mess with it. It's not for me. Or are you confessing your sin, trusting Jesus that he's faithful and just to forgive us of sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness? Are you denying it or are you confessing it? And then number three, I don't need God. Or God is my only hope. Because God is my hope, I'm going to stop sinning. And I'm going to rely on His grace. Those are the three tests that we have right here. You want to know if you have eternal life? How do you answer those questions? And uh, I'll leave you with this. Um, 2013, we were transitioning from houses. We were getting ready to move to Covington, but we were still uh, in the middle ground, staying at mom and dad's and we had gotten up, I gotten up really early this morning, and uh, Dad always wakes up. He's a light sleeper. Someone's up, he's up. And he likes to cook breakfast. He gets up, gets going. He got up, but I wanted to remind him. I wanted to, there was a landmine coming, and I wanted to make sure he knew about it so he didn't step in it. And I get downstairs, I go, Dad, you know what day it is? He's like, yes. Yeah. And I forget what day of the week it was. And I go, no, Dad, today's your mom's anniversary, isn't it? He goes, I, I don't know, what, what's the date? And I tell him the date, and he's like, is that today? Is that today? And he starts raising his voice. I'm like, Dad, stop. You can still make this right. You got time before she gets up. So he books it out, gets his flowers, gets his card, and some gifts to make sure the anniversary is taken care of. Did you see the last part of verse 2? But also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus has paid for everyone's sins to be covered. But they're running out of time. And if they never hear the gospel, they'll never turn to Jesus. They'll stay in darkness. So let's get to them and invite them to the light. There's still time right now, but man, isn't it amazing how quickly time passes? 
Mike, what was Friday night? Senior, night? Senior night. How quickly did your football career pass at Holmes High School? Flies by, right? Life's the same way. Life's the same way. And so if you are dealing with any of these tests and you're not sure, that's a conversation we need to have before you leave. There's a lot of people that want to talk to you and have that conversation. We need to have this conversation with our families. We need to have these conversations with our neighbors. We need to get this word out to Covington. People are hurting right now. We're getting ready to go back to virtually only. And that's not a good thing. We have students that are struggling with finding food. We have students that are struggling with finding shelter. We have students that are struggling living in darkness. And we know the light of the world See how urgent it is? Man, Jesus is good. We want to shine that light. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that we lift Jesus up. Father, I pray that you give us wisdom right now. If anyone in this room doesn't know if they're saved or not, doesn't know if they have fellowship with you, pray that you show them the light that is Jesus. Pray that they call on you and will be saved, turning from their sin, trusting you for salvation. Father, I pray that we are urgent in getting the gospel out. That even in a time such as this, which is getting darker and darker, that your light shines brighter and brighter. So Father, help us point people to your Son in whom we pray. Amen.